Okay, we are still on the, uh, the topic of uh, God's Word on healing. Yeah, hallelujah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so let's turn, <laughs> let's turn to our master text in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And when you find that, stand up and let's honor the reading of the Word today. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 13, we're going to read verses 13 and 14 and skip down to verses 26 through 29. So here we go, verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now skip down to verse 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all who were baptized into Christ have, been, uh, have closed yourselves with Christ. Let me try that again. Uh, let's back up to verse 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, this is the key verse, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And all God's people say... Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Praise the Lord. That's good news. That is good news. Praise God. Amen. Well, this is going to be my final teaching on healing before we bring in our guest speaker, Eric Burton, who will be here next Sunday. And he'll do a teaching on healing as well and also do some ministry in healing. So I hope you all can be there for that. And uh, I'm sure we could all learn a little bit more about healing and experience some of that too. Amen. But for today, we're going to take a bird's eye view on several principles of faith as we talk about hindrances to healing. And uh, this will be kind of a super condensed version of some high points that could literally take a 12-part series to examine these things in greater depth. So I want to encourage you after this Sunday and next, I want to encourage you to continue looking into these things yourself so that you can uh, get a greater mastery of these concepts. And Two Bible teachers that I think that you should really look into who do a great job on teaching on healing is Keith Moore and Andrew Womack. Both of those guys do wonderful jobs teaching on healing. So they have some materials you can get, get your hands on. I know that some of you are already looking into their materials, and I, I, I like that. So now, as uh, we get started here, I want to point out just kind of off topic, but just to set the stage for where we're going with this this morning, I want to point out that there's kind of a pseudo-religious mindset that's out there these days that suggests that we should come to church only to give to God, and messages like this, where we emphasize things that we receive from God, are out of place. Um, and folks, that's a half-truth, if I could say that. That's a half-truth, because we certainly do come to church to give glory to God. That's absolutely true. Um, but also to support one another, and also to get fed and to receive from God, clearly, obviously. Anyone who suggests otherwise needs to read their Bible, for goodness sake. Um, of course you want to get blessed by God. Who doesn't? 
right? See, I remember, I remember several years ago, Donna and I were in a church um, that sang this song that was kind of like fingernails on a chalkboard for Donna and me. And one line of that song said, I don't want your blessings, I just want you. And when we sang that song, I said, anybody who sings that line is lying through their teeth. <laughs> uh, because if you never wanted anything from God, you would never pray for anything for you and your family. So let's just dispense with this pseudo-religious gobbledygook and just, just acknowledge that we're all needy. We're all needy. And we, we all want whatever God is offering. Right? Amen? So you see, you came to God in faith in the first place because you wanted something from Him. You wanted to be saved from your sins. And that's a very valid reason to come to God. It's a very legitimate desire. And, and God has made dozens of other promises in His Word for your well-being and mine, for those who will serve Him wholeheartedly and just have enough audacious faith to take Him up on His offer. Praise God. And also, by the way, that's the, the message of the parable that Jesus told about the man who went to his friend at midnight uh, asking for bread. And his friend tried to turn him away, but the man would not give up because he earnestly desired something from his friend. And that parable is an allegory of our relationship with God. We shouldn't give up if we don't see results right away. See, we, we have a relationship with the Father. You have a relationship with the Father. So lean on that relationship. That's what he's told us to do. So many people just throw up their hands if they don't see immediate results. But isn't perseverance a Christian virtue as well? Praise God. So since we're talking about hindrances to healing today, that would be one right there, just thinking that it's selfish to receive from God or it's more holy to refrain from asking for any blessings from God. And if you've ever been in circles that have taught that, I give you permission to smash that crippling mindset right now because it's not biblical. It's not biblical. All right. Now, in your notes, I have uh, listed six hindrances to healing. And if you add on what I just said, that would be a seventh. But as far as your notes go, um, the first one in your notes, as far as hindrances to healing, is ignorance of the covenant. Ignorance of the covenant. And I'm going to reference uh, Deuteronomy 28 right there. Now, in Deuteronomy 28, that chapter is laid out in two parts. The first part of Deuteronomy 28, the first third of it, lists all the blessings of walking in covenant with God, all the wonderful blessings of walking in covenant with God. And then the last two-thirds lists all the curses of breaking covenant with God. They're pretty bad. And I want to just focus on some of those curses right now simply to point out what all we are redeemed from in Christ. So I want to reference first Deuteronomy 28, 15 which says, if, however, you do not obey the Lord your God by carefully following all his commands and statutes I am giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. This was being said to the ancient Israelites. Um, and there's a reason why I'm, I'm reading these. So these are some of the curses pertaining to 
uh, the physical ailments that, that are listed. So let me give you a few of those. Verse 21 lists plague, which would refer to contagious disease. Verse 22, wasting disease, like uh, fever and inflammation is listed in verse 22. Verse 27, boils, skin disease and chronic itch are all labeled or listed there. Verse 27, incurable tumors, which is a reference to cancer. Verse 28, madness and confusion of mind, so mental and emotional disorders is what it's referring to. And then verse 58, chronic diseases of various sorts. So it doesn't really specify which ones. It just gives a general blanket statement of chronic diseases. And then I love verse 61, every sickness and plague not recorded in this book of the law. (laughs) In other words, even if I didn't list it here, it's still something that's going to come upon you if you break covenant with the Lord your God. Now, I list that, by the way, because I want you to know in the new covenant, we've been redeemed from all that. We've been redeemed from all that. Now, hang with me here. I'm going to go back to our master text and and read uh, part of that again, because this is what we have, why we have been redeemed. So let me read this again to you in context of what I just said. So Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse For us, he stood in our place. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing promised to Abraham, which is the first part of Deuteronomy 28, first 14 verses that lists all the blessings. He redeemed us in order that the blessing promised to Abraham would come to the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. So that by faith, there's a qualifier, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Verse 26, you are all sons, and by implication daughters too, you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, here we go, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What promise? All the promises that we're giving to Abraham and then the nation of Israel. That's what it's talking about. It's not just salvation. It's all the other blessings as well. So if that's true then, let's just deal with the elephant in the room for a moment. If that's true, then why do so many of God's people experience some of the curses that we just read? Well, I want to answer that question with uh, some clever lyrics to a song that um, is by Don Francisco. Who remembers Don Francisco? Yeah, several of you. Uh, A song from 1982 off of his uh, album, The Package. Or, I'm sorry, uh, the song is The Package. The, the, uh, The name of the album is The Traveler. You remember that one? Man, this is a faith song, so I want to read this to you. I was awakened in the morning by a knocking on the door. So I got up to see what all the knocking was for. There stood the devil with a box addressed to me. He said, boy, I've got something here I think you ought to see. I said, I know that I don't want it if it's anything from you. 
because I hate everything you say and don't like anything you do. But then he pointed with his finger and he smiled kind of sly because the package said, from God, there in a corner way up high. So I said, if it's from God, then why did he send it here by you? He said, he always sends me when there's dirty work to do. And this box is full of misery, poverty, and shame to perfect you through your suffering till you're worthy of his name. You ever heard that? Well, I'd been pretty patient, but that last line took the cake. I just took, couldn't take no more. I'd taken all that I could take. So I told him what I thought of him and all his filthy lies. Then I fired the shot that got him right between the eyes. I told him, Jesus took my sickness and my poverty away. You nailed him to the cross yourself when you murdered him that day. The suffering that I do will be for love and not for shame. I'm already worthy by his blood to wear his name. Hallelujah. And I know my father loves me and has only good in store. So you just take that jive and get away from my front door. You can write my name on packages until I'm 92, but every single one I'm sending back to hell with you. Amen. Hallelujah. That's a faith song if I ever heard one. <clears throat> Praise God. So it all comes down to what you know and believe. It all comes down to what you know and believe. See, if you've never been taught that you're redeemed from those things then you come to expect it and even accept it as God's will. See, healing is our birthright, folks. Anytime we're putting up with dysfunction or illness, we're bearing a part of the curse that Jesus died for. Let me say that again. Every time that you're, we're putting up with disease or dysfunction, we're bearing a part of the curse that Jesus died for. And we don't have to put up with that. Because disease is a trespasser on royal property. You're the royal property. You and me. We're royal property. So that's the first one right there is hindrances to healing. Not understanding your covenant and what your covenant says would be your first hindrance to healing. But I want to give you another one right here. Secondly, unforgiveness and bitterness. Unforgiveness and bitterness. Now, I'm going to reference the famous passage that people that teach on faith and know about faith um, usually reference where Jesus said there in Mark eleven twenty four. therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will, it will be yours. But he tags on at the end of that a thought that doesn't seem to be related, but it is. He says in verse 25, and when you stand to pray, if you hold anything against another, forgive it so that your father in heaven will forgive you your trespasses, forgive your trespasses as well. So this is a connected thought, folks. So if we're to walk in strong faith, we need to make sure that we've removed any hindrance of unforgiveness, bitterness, and unresolved anger in our hearts because that will affect your faith. That will affect your faith. All right, I'm not going to hang out on that one. I've, I've actually addressed that one in various other teachings in this series, so I'm not going to hang out on that one. But just realize that, man, just do a, go through your mental files. Is there anybody in your mental files that you can think of, man, yeah, I still, when I see that person or hear that person's name, eh, I get a little tweak. Uh, I see that person and it's like, hi. 
so that they know that I'm just being polite right now, but I don't really like you. No, you can't do that. Not if you want to walk in the 36 and 100-fold blessing. Not if you walk, want to walk in the power of God's healing power. Not if you want to grow your faith. You can't do that. You can't do that. Okay, we can't do that. All right, let's push on to the third one here. Strife and anger, which is related. Strife and anger. I'm going to reference here uh, Galatians 5, 6, which says that faith worketh by love. So again, these, these two points... Uh, the previous one and this one are very closely related. Uh, faith worketh by love, <clears throat> says Galatians 5, 6. Now, I think you need to point out the wording in the Greek here because most of the modern translations, if you look this up in most of the modern translations, it says uh, faith expressing itself through love or some variation of that. And while that's certainly true that our faith does need to express itself through love, um, that's not actually the proper wording here from the ancient languages. So what is it? Well, that word worketh is the Greek word energeo, which means to be at work, to work, or to do. And the word by, in this particular um, translation, this is the King James, is the word dia, and it means on account of, through, and because of. So you can say that faith works on account of love, because of love. In other words, we better have the love of God operating in us and through us to the people around us, um, our family, our spouse, our children, people at work, etc. We better have the love of God working in us and through us if you want your faith to work. And folks, if your faith is weak, if you find that your faith is weak and you're not getting results in these areas, let's Check our love pulse. Let's check our love pulse. Are we gentle, loving, forgiving, understanding, patient, sympathetic, etc.? Read 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. Are we living by those standards? See, remember, if you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you've always got. As you've heard me say many times, Albert Einstein said, one definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over and expecting different results. So if you're not getting the kind of results that you would like in your life, for Pete's sake, do something different. And the Word of God gives you all kinds of instructions on how you can be doing some things different. Praise the Lord. All right. Kind of zipping through these a little bit here. I told you this was going to be kind of a bird's eye view of, of these concepts. Number four, unconfessed and unrepentant sin and or guilt. Now, by the way, if you don't think that you have any sin to confess, you need to confess the sin of pride right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <clears throat> Here's my scripture reference. James 5.16, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, and here's, here's a tough one that not a lot of people really remember or want to do, but it ends by saying, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that, see, there's a, con a condition on that, isn't there? So that you may be healed. If you're having trouble getting healed, maybe this right here 
confessing your sins to one another and praying for one another is something that we should incorporate. That's what it says, right? And also, to come and have the elders uh, anoint you with oil and pray over you in the name of the Lord. Now, allow me to qualify something on this note about um, confessing your sins to one another. I want to qualify something. Um, The person that you're confessing to does not take the place of your mediator, which is Jesus Christ only. Jesus is the only high priest who can absolve us from our sins. Okay? See, the person you choose to confess to can be anyone. It says right there, therefore confess your sins to each other, so it can be anyone. But that person that you confess to does not have the the ability nor the right to absolve you from your sins. Only your high priest, Jesus, can do that now. Only your high priest, Jesus, can do that. All right. I want to also reference 1 John 3, verses 19 through 22, which says, Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and we will receive from him whatever we ask, because we keep his commandments and do what is pleasing in his sight. Now, I want to bring that one up because, you know, guilt will absolutely rob you of any faith, which is why we need to keep our consciences clear before God. But if we do sin... We have an advocate with the Father, the Bible tells us. That's Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and me. We have an advocate with the Father. 1 John 1.9 goes on to tell us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not some of it, all of it. Hallelujah. Praise God. But remember, this is why we need to keep our consciences clear before God, though, because Satan will absolutely come in and take advantage of your sin and condemning you in your own heart, and that will siphon your faith. It will. It'll siphon your faith. And that devil, he's such a lousy deceiver. He... He lures people into sin. Then once they take the bait, he beats their brains out with condemnation. I hate him. It's okay to hate the devil, by the way. But there's good news. You know, even if your heart does condemn you, there's hope. Let's back up in the same passage to the verse right before this. um, Actually, um, verse 20. Um, It says this, even if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things. Even if our hearts do condemn us, God is greater than your heart. So there's an answer for that condemnation. Who's the answer? Jesus is. Hallelujah. He bore the curse. He bore your sins. He bore the curse of your sins. Praise God. All right, here's the fifth one. Now, I'm going to read a kind of a lengthy passage here um, to make this point, that the fifth hindrance to healing would be unbelief, doubt, and fear. I'm going to reference here Matthew 17, verses 14 through 21, so bear with me. This is a little bit of a lengthier reading. So here we go. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. 
Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, I want to break this down here because there's a lot to learn in this passage. So the word because of your unbelief is derived from the Greek word apistia. And you know what that means? Unbelief. It was translated very accurately, unbelief. Now I emphasize that because some versions read um, little faith or lack of faith. But that's not what the Greek says. It says unbelief, which is different than little faith. So hang with me here. Um, Look, we've got a contradiction in Scripture if the proper translation is little faith, which which it isn't, because in that same verse, Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed ever, he said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, and it's going to obey you. So our problem so often then isn't too little faith, it's unbelief or doubt, which can work against our faith and ultimately lead to fear and worry and dread. And that can open the door to the enemy. See, remember Job said, what I feared has come upon me, what I greatly dreaded has happened to me. Job was a worrier. And open the door to the enemy. And also remember that James 1 says that if we doubt, then we're double-minded and unstable, and such a condition is unsuitable for us receiving anything from God. So, how does faith come then? Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen, that's right. So I want to focus on verse 21 here for a moment as well, which, once again, in this passage that I just read in the New King James, says, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, by the way, verse 21 is not in some of your Bibles because it's pretty clear now through some discoveries in some of the older scrolls of the New Testament that this verse was added later. And uh, so some of the more modern translations just simply leave it out in order to stay true to the inspired canon of Scripture. And then some of those, those uh, newer Bibles will footnote it at the bottom in your study notes, but it will leave it out of the text to stay true to the inspired canon of Scripture. But, but this verse actually does represent a truth that we see in other parts of the Bible. So I think it's still an important verse that we should consider. Uh, so what is it saying here then? Well, it's saying that either this kind of demon doesn't come out except by prayer and fasting, or it's saying, and I think we could just as easily and maybe even more strongly make the case, that it's saying that this kind of doubt and unbelief doesn't come out except by prayer and fasting. 
And I think that's probably a more accurate assessment because, you know, Jesus began his ministry with prayer and fasting. And all the disciples, the first century disciples, uh, apostles and disciples, they fasted all the time. And they also operated in signs and wonders. So I think there's definitely a correlation there. And I'll also add that Mary Beth Klaus, who has been out of town a lot lately because she's uh, caring and, and uh, supporting her ailing parents, well, she told me that her mother fractured her T12 vertebra recently, and she was just in terrible pain, and it was terribly painful to try to get up and go to the, the restroom. So Mary Beth told me that she fasted and prayed for her mother for three days. And at the end of that three days, her mother could stand up straight again. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. So we, we need to work on eradicating. We don't necessarily need to grow bigger and, and, and stronger faith because the Bible says that we've all been given the measure of faith. Now, is, is there value in growing your faith? Yes. But a, a bigger priority ought to be eradicating the doubt. And how do you get rid of the doubt? Just, just cut yourself off from anything that would like be those demonic arrows that would just like pierce you, that would just like suck the life out of your faith. Just, you know, try to distance yourself from that and make the word of God what you dwell on. Make the word of God what you meditate on. And meditation on the word will build your faith. Faith comes by, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right. So last principle in things that hinder our faith for healing is, I'm calling this one, hung by the tongue. And it has to do with our words. All right, so I'm going to give you uh, several scriptures on this one because this is a foreign concept to a lot of people, I realize. So I'm going to give you a lot of scripture on this one. The first one is uh, from Matthew 12, verses 36 and 37. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now, once again, breaking this down in the Greek, uh, that word idle is the Greek word argos, which means inactive or idle. According to Strong's Concordance, the usage would be this, idle, lazy, thoughtless, and unprofitable. So God does not want us to speak things that are unprofitable, such as, this sciatica is killing me, or these migraines are going to be the death of me. Don't say such things. Your words have power, folks. Say things that give life to the body, that agree with the word of God, not death. See, I've told you before that if you just want a scientific validation for this, I've told you before that in the early part of the 1920s, there was a French pharmacist and psychologist by the name of Emil Cui, and he pioneered a concept that became known as auto-suggestion. And he discovered that prescriptions given along with positive affirmations of health made the treatments work better. In other words, people who were just getting their prescriptions but did not make affirmations of health didn't do as well as the people who were getting the same prescriptions but they were making positive affirmations of their health. So he noticed this, this was a trend. It was reproducible. And so he, he coined this phrase, every day and in every way, I'm getting better and better. 
So again, his concept became known as auto-suggestion. So what I'm teaching today is not new information, folks. This has been known in some medical circles for more than 100 years. The only reason that it didn't catch on is because when Emil Kui came to the United States to lecture on this concept, he was mocked and ridiculed. So he canceled the rest of his speaking tour in the US and went back to France. See, I want to make a side note here that Western medicine has always been hostile to anything that doesn't sell more drugs. See, medicine is wonderful in some respects, but you also have to realize that modern medicine is big business and they're in it for profit. And anything that hinders the sale of more drugs and procedures is going to get attacked. It always has been. And that happened with email quiz discoveries on auto-suggestion. So let's push on with this, with some more scripture references for you. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says this, It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Amen. If you've got faith in your heart, it ought to be coming out your mouth. I have believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Hallelujah. And then Proverbs 18, this is a more famous one on this topic. Proverbs 18, verses 20 and 21. From the fruit of his mouth, a man's belly is filled. With the harvest from his lips, he is satisfied. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. That's a, that's a very weighty statement, ladies and gentlemen. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, will eat its fruit. In other words, if you understand this concept, if you use it to your advantage, then you're going to eat the fruit thereof. All right, I'm not done. Let me give you another one. This is Mark 11, 22 and 24. This is the Aramaic Bible in plain English. And the reason I'm reading this passage is because of the one that I have underlined there, the phrase I have underlined. So let me, let me read and get to that. Yeshua, or Jesus, answered and he said to them, may the faith of God be in you. And that's the actual uh, accurate translation because a lot of translations, including old and new, will say, have faith in God. But that's not actually the ancient Greek. The ancient Greek says, may the faith of God be in you. Pursue the God kind of faith. Don't just believe in God. Don't just believe that he exists. Believe the God kind of faith. Pursue the kind of faith that God operates in. That's what it's saying. Then it continues. For amen, I say to you, in other words, for truly I say to you, whoever shall say to this mountain, be lifted up and fall into the sea, and will not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that the thing which he says, anything that he says, shall be done for him. Now, I want you to focus in on the word say or says there. It's repeated three times. The saying part is very important in our faith. Now, usually when I teach on this, I do kind of a protracted um, segment on quantum physics. Because I know a lot of people, when they start hearing this for the first time, they're like, ah, come on, really? But science actually does validate this concept. So whenever I do just a, an entire teaching on this, I'd like really dive in to that whole concept on quantum physics. But let me just kind of distill it down into a, kind of a soundbite this morning. Discoveries in quantum physics have actually proven that the spoken word affects matter. 
Now, I'm not going to get real deep into that because I, I can't, but I'll do another teaching on that sometime at some point if you're, you're really interested in that. And I'm a science guy. I love science. I love diving into that quantum physics thing. I think it's absolutely fascinating. So I'll do it at some point. But all I'm going to say about it today is that quantum physics, which is a, a branch of physics that is just, well, I'm not going to go there right now. Um, it's just a, a really esoteric form of physics. That's all I'm going to say about it right now. Um, and quantum physics actually proves that the spoken word affects matter. Matter being like solid substances. It can affect literally our health, according to auto-suggestion. So that's just science, folks. I'm just quoting you science. So if, this, if the spoken word affects matter, then it means that, the, that words have the, the power to affect our bodies and maybe even our destinies. Well, on that note, I'll just insert that the scriptures say that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths Jesus Christ is Lord, then we'll be saved. It's apparently not enough just to, just to believe it. You've got to proclaim it. That's what the Bible says. I'm just quoting you the Bible. Okay? So the spoken word is very important. If you believe something, you speak it. So the spoken word is very important. It has the power to affect our bodies and perhaps even our destinies. It must be very important what we say about ourselves and also our loved ones. So notice also in the account of creation in the book of Genesis that God created with words. He said, let there be light. He didn't just snap his fingers and there was light. He said, let there be light and there was light. And you might say, well, Andy, that was God doing that. We don't have that kind of power. Well, not to the extent of creating galaxies, obviously. But the Bible does say that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is at work within you and me. Why does the Bible say that if it's not true? If that statement's not true, we might as well just throw out the rest of the Bible. Because none of it's true. If we can't trust all of it, we can't trust any of it. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is at work within you and me. Once again, God has told us that our words matter, that our words matter. And just to demonstrate the truth of that, and I know that some of you that have never heard this before, maybe, um, you might be still sitting there going, I don't know about that. But here's my answer to that. The proof's in the pudding. So on that note, Julie Suvercroup coming up here. She's going to give you a testimony of how this worked in her life. Praise God. Yeah, sure. It's on. Hello. Hi, everyone. <laughs> well, this morning I'm going to share with you about the journey of, um, and our amazing testimony, should I say, about how God gave us our son um, and I was going to start uh, with a little bit of background for you. Um, Mark and I met at the Moody Church in downtown Chicago, and we were engaged in two months and married in five um, in 1990. And um, we were interested in having children, but weren't really in a rush. So when the years kept going by, I started to get concerned, but thought maybe we are just too busy and need to slow down. 
And I'm sure uh, it seems like anytime we have a problem in this world, we get lots of advice from other people. And we heard lots of advice and lots of ideas on what we needed to do, but um, didn't quite hear the right advice to begin with. But as, as we went through our journey, um, in 1993, Mark and I decided, we were living in downtown Chicago, so we decided to move away from there. Um, we were living in a high-rise, and to go to the grocery store was going through four sets of elevators. I mean, it's such a hassle to live there and think about having a child, in my opinion. So anyway, we just decided, okay, we're moving to Columbus. We thought maybe temporarily, but God had other plans. Amen. Um, and here we are. Anyway, and so we had everyone we knew praying for us about having children. My mother, my mother's church, my sister, my sister's church, our church, Mark's family's churches. And, you know, we just had everybody praying for us. And um, But still we weren't pregnant and every month, honestly, was like a death. I will be honest with you. It was a very difficult time in our life, in my life. I think Mark was just kind of like, okay, whatever. <laughs> whatever she wants, let's just do that. <laughs> I remember telling my sister when she first started praying for us uh, that I wanted her to pray for God's will. And then I got to where I said, no, don't pray that anymore. Just pray that we have a baby. <laughs> I didn't get the picture, obviously. Anyway, and so at that time, I didn't realize how good God and his plan for my life was and is. We are not trying to talk God into blessing us. He wants to bless us more than we want to be blessed. So anyway, okay, so by 1995, we started pursuing fertility options we went through um, some fertility testing. We visited Jake the herbalist, and we were taking hundreds of pills, herbs a day, and drinking barley green. And I mean, it was amazing. We could feel the electricity in the in the buttons to open the garage door. I mean, <laughs> everything was working perfectly. But still, we didn't have the results we were looking for. And I. I tell you, Mark was a trooper through all this. <laughs> he did whatever I needed him to. Anyway, but he had certain lines that he had drawn in the sand. He said, I won't do certain things. And we had gotten to the point where we had exhausted all of our options in the fertility world. So that left me in a place where that led me to seek God with all of my heart, the great physician who can heal anything. And um, knowing that his word says that, that if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And that was one of the verses, Psalm 37, 4, that I really stood on. But every day I understand that verse more and more. And I know all of you do too. It's amazing. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, we do get the desires of our hearts in every area. Um, and I also knew... John 10.10 10, that says, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life and give it more abundantly. I finally figured out it was the enemy trying to steal from me, mm -hmm. not God withholding. Right. And you know, I think that's a misconception we all fall into. 
Um, anyway, so we started listening to teachers like Gloria Copeland every Sunday night. And I'll tell you what a blessing to be in a church where they speak the truth and you hear it every Sunday. That's the only way that you can really receive all that God has for you is when you listen to the word of God. So I'm so thankful for Pastor Andy and Donna because they are people, warriors of the truth. And I am so thankful for that. And I know all of us are. But anyway, so every Sunday night, she was teaching about healing and the power of your words, which is exactly what Pastor Andy talked about this morning, and um, sharing how we needed to speak to our mountains and our problems, not just pray to God. You know, prayer is important. It has a place. But she said, we need to tell whatever the problem is to go. Use the authority that Jesus has given you. So, you know, you could have, I had the whole world praying for me, honestly. I, I felt like it. The truth is, if I wanted to have a baby, God wanted me pregnant more than I wanted to be pregnant. He loves us so much and definitely has only our best interest in mind. Amen. 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 So, the important thing to do, as Pastor Andy's been talking about this morning, is renewing our mind and starting to really seek God. One day in 1997, when I was home alone, I started reading my Bible, and I felt like I should get up and start speaking out what God says. He showed me, as I was reading, he showed me the Bible verse, Genesis 30:22, which says, Then God remembered Rachel, he opened her womb, and he gave her a son, and she named him Joseph. And so God said, this is your verse. I want you to claim it as your own. So I said, then God remembered Julie. He opened her womb, and he gave her a son, and she named him Joseph. And, um, you know, that was that month I was pregnant, and I knew it before I even took the test. <laughs> I knew it. God did it. After eight long years of thinking, I had to talk God into something. He had already given us everything we needed to have victory in this area. And my son Joseph just turned 24 this year, and he will now fulfill his God-given destiny because we believed and would not give up. The enemy tried to steal his life, but God took what the enemy meant for evil, and he used it for good. So the thing that I learned is that I needed to recognize who my enemy was, who our enemy is, you know, and we need to beat him up with the word of God and the blood of Jesus when he tries to do that. Just like what Pastor Andy was saying, you got to shut the door. You got to say, no, devil, you're not coming in. I resist you and you have to flee from me. And once I got that concept, I mean, it was amazing how quickly everything turned around. Um, sometimes, and it was a journey and a process to learn these things. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church where they didn't teach that healing was a part of the salvation process, but it is. And I can tell you, I've got proof. And I can tell you that we see it more and more every day. We see people healed. We get opportunities to lay hands on people all the time, and it's amazing. God is on our side if what we want lines up with the Word of God, then He wants us to have it. 
If there's something you are frustrated about and have not seen victory, then seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Anyway, I just, I'm so thankful. And, you know, another thing I, I felt like this past couple, three weeks actually have been such a challenge for me. And the women and the people of this church have lifted me up. I tell you, it was almost as difficult as trying to get pregnant, taking care of my parents and a lot of the things that happened. And it is just, we saw miracle after miracle. I mean, my... Can I tell a brief description? Okay. Well, my father fell and broke seven ribs and in the middle of the night while going to the restroom. And my mother took him to the emergency room. And he, um, so he was there for a day or so. And they pumped him so full of drugs. He walked in, but he could not walk out. He was in such a mess. My 88-year-old mother, this is my 91-year-old dad, So my 88-year-old mother decides, I'm taking him out of there. They are going to kill him with all these drugs. So she took him out and brought him home without really telling us all the details. We, I have a sister in Arizona. We're in Indiana. My brothers live in Oklahoma and Dallas. So all we're getting is the text and trying to figure out. They live in Louisiana. So, um, so she took him home, and then he fell again. And while trying to help him up, she hurt her back really badly. Uh, broke a few or had a few fractures and that sort of thing. So anyway, so then she was in a lot of pain, but not to the degree that, you know, she ended up being when she went to the bathroom like a week later and fell again. So then we're dealing, my dad was gradually getting better. Mark and I were down there for a week and whew, it was, it's been a rough road, but I'm just so thankful that we just kept praying over them. Um, but anyway, and so, you know, the truth is our God is awesome. He provided everything for us. And, you know, we need to receive those amazing things. But anyway, so we ended up being able to get them in a facility where they're in rehab and they are doing great. They're in a room together. And it's just amazing how God is working everything out. The healing is happening faster than anyone expected. And so we're seeing a lot of miracles in that. So I'm super thankful. And anyway, we did a lot of prayer, prayer and fasting while we were down there. My dad would say, Julie, come pray for me. And man, we'd just go in there and we'd storm the gates of hell. And it was amazing to see. I mean, he's really improving quickly. And there, he's amazing, the doctors. And, and my mother's doing better, too. So I'm just... But the women of this church have been praying for me, and I tell you, I wouldn't be able to do half of what I did without all of the support that I received from Bless Life Fellowship. So thank you so much. Preaching for me. Uh, So could you tell really really quickly about um, my niece, Jody? Oh. Tell that real quick. Yes. Well, I will say that since God healed me in the way of being able to have a baby when I was struggling, he's given me lots of opportunities to lay hands on people. And I, I've gotten women pregnant all over this city. <laughs> Actually, she doesn't even live in the city. But, um, well, through obviously God's anointing. But um, his, it's Donna's niece, right? Or it's, oh, it's my, your niece. niece yeah. It was your niece. Well, I went to your mother's funeral, right? And she was there, and Donna said, you need to lay hands on her. She's been trying to get pregnant. So I was like, absolutely. 
So I laid hands on her. We prayed for her. And I said that I felt like she was going to be pregnant next year at this time when, when the funeral was. I don't remember what the exact timing was on that. But anyway, she was. So that was very exciting. I have more than one experience in that way where I laid hands and prayed for someone that had been struggling. And they have babies. So that's very exciting. And we're not done yet. There's more people that that's going to happen to. So get ready. Praise God. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. say, by the way, that in my, my niece's jo- Jody's case, she had been, uh, they had been trying to have a baby for years, and they tried everything as well. So this wasn't like, well, we've been trying to have a baby for six months. No, it was years they've been trying to have a baby and nothing. And then Julie said, I believe that the Lord said that you're going to be pregnant in a year, prayed over, boom, and she was. Now they got two kids. So hallelujah. Yeah, praise God. All right. So this is my last thing. Um, we, at one point, printed up these, uh, these little flyers, these brochures, that have declarations of faith in them. Now, we, you, you all cleaned us out on them, so we don't have any physically here, but we're going to do a reprint of these. So there's, it covers everything, your finances, your marriage, your kids. It covers a bunch of different things. Now, I just have a short blurb in here on health. It's kind of a general overall declaration of faith on your health, and it says this. I enjoy continuing and ever-increasing health, energy, and fitness in my body. Every cell and system of my body works with perfection. I enjoy strength and health in my mind. I have excellent memory, recall, and ever-increasing intelligence. I enjoy divine mental and emotional health, stability, joy, and peace. By the stripes of Jesus, I have been healed and made whole." So that's kind of a general declaration and proclamation, but if you have a specific health concern, man, I would just apply the Word of God to that specific health concern. So um, we'll get more of these, so if you want these, uh, we're going to do a reprint. We'll probably have these here next Sunday, so feel free to take advantage of those. All right, praise God. I think we covered a lot of ground this morning. I think we're done. Praise the Lord. Stand up and let's pray together. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Andy Robbins and Blessed Life Fellowship. For more teaching and ministry resources, go to the church website at www.blessedlifefellowship.org. Thanks for listening, and may God's grace and favor shine on you.